we're talking about a movie where a child can see dead people. But it's okay because it's an animated comedy. We're talking about Paranorman. How you doing, buddy? I am doing very well, and I hope all of our listeners are as well. Welcome back to The More You Nerd for another episode of our Trunk or Treat Month, this time on an actual October. Hey, and the day you are hearing this episode, if you listen to it the day it comes out, it is my daughter's sixth birthday, which is... Happy birthday to the Twilight Princess. It is absolutely wild that uh, that she is that age, uh, because I started podcasting before either of my children were born and here we are it's uh, wild i'm old i'm old as dirt i am old as old as the zombies in this movie i feel sometimes <laughs> but that's okay this is the more you nerd the podcast where we expand your nerd horizons by focusing on different uh, seasons of content and sessions of content uh, and this month we are doing for spooktober uh, trunk or treat where we talk about spooky movies and tv shows and <laughs> Well, we'll see what other forms of media next week, but uh, <laughs> things that might be better for not just the grownups in the room, but the whole family. Yeah, and I i mean, I really enjoyed uh, the <laughs> the first week's uh, Erie, Indiana, which I, I, I'm still watching. <laughs> Chris and I have still been 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 watching Erie, Indiana off on our uh, time off. So it's it's still a super fun show. It remains to be a fun show. And I, I might go into the other dimension just because I never watched it as a kid. And uh, I'm going to say this at the top of the show. If you are listening and you have your own kind of, uh, I would say, tween level uh, Halloween or supernaturally horror themed media that you want to share with us uh, that you love. We, we may not do it this month, but we'd love to hear you talk about it. We'll probably talk about it on the show. Uh, so by all means, uh, please share that with us because I'm going to keep curating this, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm I'm perfectly fine doing. And I'm happy to honestly give more eyeballs to a paranormal. Yes, yeah, so that's our, our the, the 2020. 12 Leica animated film. But before we get into Paranorman itself, let's talk a little bit about the studio. Uh, so Leica is, is the studio in question, which you're probably familiar with, even if you don't expect that you are. And we're not going to do a full dive into the history of this studio, but we did want to give a little bit of an introduction to who they are and what sort of thing they do that separates themselves from the Pixar's and the DreamWorks and the Sony animations and the other animation studios out there. The studio itself was founded in 2005 and their sole focus has been stop motion animation. So for those who may not be familiar with what stop motion animation is, uh, unlike regular animation, which is drawn, pictured, drawn, pictured, drawn, pictured, and then kind of flipbook style or CG animation where everything is done kind of the same way, but with computers, stop motion animation may be better known as claymation uh, to a lot of to a lot of things uh, that you have models and maquettes that are moved, manipulated, take a snapshot, manipulated, take a snapshot, manipulated, take a snapshot. Uh, so while CGI for this group is actually actually used to kind of fill in some gaps and things like that. Uh, it's 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 not a feature and, and and it just adds to the finished product itself. So every single one of their their films is lovingly and painstakingly sculpted and animated by hand, which is why we only get one of these every couple of years. I think. Yeah, it's it's nuts. So seriously, check out some of the documentaries on their processes on YouTube, because there is so much work. And and, and, and a lot of the a lot of the, the the movies after the credits, instead of doing a little post credit scene, they do a little post 
credits moment showing you what it's it takes to create one of their characters and then they animate a little something at the end of it which is really cool yeah when they did the uh the original teaser for the box trolls it wasn't a preview for the movie i, I remember seeing it in theaters and it had a kind of a acoustic version of uh he's got the whole world in his hands or whatever the song is actually called and they showed the animators kind of working on the set of box trolls and animating the figures and sculpting the faces and you, you see them pull out a drawer or a drawer of faces and everything and to me that was almost as effective as an actual trailer because while i know what they do actually seeing that and i watched some of these youtube videos it is insane like the amount of they had a drawer of almost like 200 faces and it was for a line of dialogue yeah it's it's it's, it's wild the the amount of time and detail for a single line of dialogue is insane uh, yeah it's, it's, it's why I, I i wave the flag for the studio because i i think they're just tremendous it's it's remarkable so much work goes into uh, so like uh, uh to, to circle back around they are probably most known for their 2009 uh film Coraline, which was adapted from a neil gaiman novel and they're not always box office hits but they're consistently positively reviewed by critics and, and audiences uh, every single one of their films has been nominated for for academy awards and golden globes and they have won i don't think i don't know that they've won either of those but uh, i think missing leak won the golden globe interesting i think which is a really good movie <laughs> uh and uh so, so but they have won many other awards within animation service yeah i mean this is this is a studio that i i i champion i mean obviously i became a fan when i saw Coraline, so i didn't know that they had worked uh did contract work for the corpse run i didn't know that they did apparently they also did the stop motion animation scene for um a very harold and kumar christmas 3d <laughs> <laughs> um but but Coraline, being a big nerd growing up and being a massive neil gaiman fan i was very excited to see a stop motion animation version of this because knowing uh, gaiman's taste this this was perfect for it and so uh, their follow-up film being a kind of supernaturally themed uh horror comedy for kids i thought was just an awesome idea and the beginning of this of paranormal really started with the Coraline storyboard artist uh, chris butler uh, he became interested in the zombie film's frequent use uh pretty much as a, a form of social commentary which in and of itself is not some mind-blowing you know analysis we mo everyone knows that dawn of the dead is supposed to be a social commentary but he wanted to translate that into a film that could express children especially those feeling kind of outside of the cool kids table and the challenges of growing up so basically he was bumped up to the full-time writer he's he's the sole writer of the film and a co-director with sam fell who's going to be directing the upcoming uh, chicken run sequel yeah i forgot they were doing chicken run too that was yeah, yeah. news during the pandemic here um and said to chris a story and world that would become paranormal which is about a, a boy and a, a young boy often the odd man out who can communicate with ghosts and is eventually the sole hope to save his massachusetts town so production started in late 2009 and lasted about three years with the animation stage taking up two of those years and like i said i watched some of these youtube videos of the making of part of it was Coraline, part of it was uh, paranorman and they would they would talk about oh i've been working on this this sequence it's taken about six weeks and it is just a a blip like it, it's 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 insane the amount i can't stress like how nuts so, it is so, so it, it, like it, so if you look at a, a pixar movie which is all done with cg animation they set the animation and then they send it to a render farm to render out so that it looks great on a big cinema mm -hmm. screen and the rendering of that done by computers not by individual humans takes 22 hours for a minute of footage but that's all done by not by computer by computer that's not okay we've got that let's now go and manipulate 
emulate our little claymation oh, model and make sure that it looks right. And what's so cool is, is to see the the kind of sets that are built because you see, I would say it comes up to maybe the waist of a, of a normally sized human being. And so you get to see them kind of bending over, working in this, like what, what you can see, like it looks exactly like it does in the movie. So it's very surreal to see it basically a giant, you know, manipulating <laughs> some of these things. And this was also the very first film to use full 3D printers, full color 3D printers as replacement animation pieces. So while everything you see in the film is carefully sculpted, many pieces are very frail and quick replacements are needed, particularly from what I saw in one of the videos, hands. Uh, I think the crew members st stated that they go through at least, I think every character goes through at least eight, maybe eight pa pairs of hands per movie. And I'm not talking about like eight single pairs. I'm talking about eight single pairs in every single movement they do, which is hundreds upon hundreds of copies. Because remember, this is stop motion. And I again, I, I cannot recommend enough these these Leica docs that are on YouTube. They're just it's, it's just to me truly incredible to see what these creators are able to accomplish. And I mean, it definitely informed more of my watching. I've, I've seen all of these except for I think Kubo and the Two Strings. And so going into Paranorman, having kind of rewatched some of this behind the scenes stuff, it just you it makes you appreciate everything you're seeing more. But enough about me gushing about the studio. Drew, how, how did Paranorman do? So Paranorman was released in August of, of 2012 or 2012, as we call it today, uh, to a positive 88% critical response uh, with a variety magazine saying few movies have taken taken with death. Excuse me. Few movies so taken with death have felt so rudely alive as Paranorman, the latest handcrafted Marvel from the stop motion artist set Leica. Audiences felt pretty similar with a B plus cinema score and Paranorman was a modest success, making 107 million against a budget of 60 million, not quite reaching what Coraline had done uh, with financials or cultural re release. Uh, but sadly, Paranorman is often forgot as just a modern Halloween choice for kids, uh, which we're trying to remedy this week, uh, despite the fact that we're reviewing it and talking about it in the middle of the Halloween season, not in, say, June. But that's when Miles, because he's the one who scheduled us. <laughs> well, it's not a franchise. We couldn't do franchise uh, <laughs> always with it. Um, so to, to start things off, before we get into Paranorman, I just kind of want to get a general idea. So what did you think, Drew? Uh, I liked it. I, I liked it a, a lot. I think that it is... So I have watched a number of Leica films. I've seen Coraline. I've seen Kubo and the Two Strings a number of times. And and of course, now I've seen Paranorman, Paranorman. the, the, the I, single I, time that we watched, that I watched it for this. I think you would like Missing Link. It kind of seems like it might be your humor. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, Zach Galifianakis is in that, right? Yes, him and Hugh Jackman. Yeah, that again, it's one of those things where where I don't go out of my way for animated films because I typically they you find live, you have you have two they, kids who they will find bring their them way. To you. Yeah, they find their <laughs> right. way in my world pretty pretty easily yeah um, I, I can understand that uh, but this this film and i will i will say at the at the beginning i watched this with my kids uh they they sat down with me to watch this oh. so i will have uh, i'm gonna try to do that when i can uh for for these challenges uh some of that's gonna work and some of it's not gonna work so apologies in advance but uh what did you think uh so my my daughter didn't didn't I mean, she seemed to like it but she had a ton of questions about what was going on <laughs> she does she does this though this is not a this is not a unique situation uh She'll ask me, like, why is this character doing that? And like, well, we just introduced this character five seconds ago, so let's just watch the movie and maybe they'll tell us why that character is doing that. Um, my 34-year-old girlfriend will do the same thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Which my, is no diss on her, but she does ask questions as they're being answered. <laughs> but my son, the second that the, the zombies, the actual zombies in this movie appeared, uh, started cackling with laughter anytime they were on scene. <laughs> they're so, funny. They're funny, and they have some very funny 
slapstick moments. Uh, so let's let's get into the just a five second premise of what this movie is. Uh, so yeah. so our main character Norman lives in Blythe Hollow, Massachusetts, which was home to a <laughs> a witch trial three hundred years it's ago. Salem. It's it's Salem. It's Salem, sure. Uh, but the weird thing about Norman uh, is that uh, he can see ghosts. Nobody else can see ghosts, but he can see ghosts. So because of this, and because that he seems to look like he's talking to random strange things, he's got a little bit of a reputation, not just among the town, but in his family, uh, as we learn. Uh, but wouldn't you know it, uh, we're introduced to uh, this random, crazy lunatic in town who just so happens to be Norman's uncle, who gives him a mission to stop the 300-year-old curse that the witch has put on the town. I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, that's a, a very good summary of of the basic point of of Paranorman. And this this movie, I, it, I saw this in theaters, and I mean, I I am definitely the the audience because I definitely think one that if you're a if you're into horror films, you're going to appreciate it as a big kid because there there are some wonderful wonderful references that kids aren't going to get. Like kids aren't going to get that Norman is basically dressed up kind of like uh, Elliot from ET. I didn't get that, so keep listening to Miles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because it's 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 the it's the red hoodie. It's it's the red hoodie that he's wearing, and and he's got the black. Obviously, his hair's sticking up, but it's it's that iconic red hoodie that Elliot has, especially in the um the bicycle scene. Um, as far as if you, if you want more references, this one goes a lot with Halloween. There is a one that one scene that that's very obvious. That's it, it's in the trailer where he the Halloween theme uh pops up as his ringtone or that, as his, his his text tone. That I recognized. I got that one. Well, but he goes to the window and his friend which is in a hockey mask not a michael myers mask is standing outside while the uh hanging laundry blows by him which is something that Lori does when she sees michael outside her house for the first time and there's also a halloween reference at the beginning when norman's uh, uncle is kind of skulking around and he turns around and sees him and then he turns around again and he's gone it's a similar scene to when Lori sees michael myers outside the school while she's in class in the first film <laughs> and, I mean and they are they are direct they are, they are direct references and this being a horror themed movie especially with the score which has this great kind of grindhousey Italian uh, slasher sound I really dug that opening score it sounded like a 70s movie <laughs> um, but yeah this this thing has a lot of a lot of humor and references for adults and a, a lot of good very sharp slapstick for kids There's, I think it does a really good job to me balancing everything there is a lot of slapstick for kids but this movie you know it's how dark there, you know how there are some movies that oh well they threw in a couple of you know double entendres for the parents to 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 get into and da, 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 are, da, you, it's like, are, you, are you talking about the the town sign maybe i don't even remember the town sign i'm talking about just like the, like there are so many just on the nose like is this meant to be like it's, it's just like out there the, and, the answer is yes i mean they they do make movies for and this is and this is almost like the original Toy Story in that sense, where there are jokes that you're a, a kid is not going to get. They're gonna they're gonna register something as funny and laugh, but the full scale, the full scope of that joke won't hit them till later. And it's and I think it's also just that like they go places with those jokes that I didn't expect them to go. And and this movie was rated PG. It wasn't rated G, but uh just <laughs> 
there's a scene towards the end where all the characters, all the, our main characters join hands in solidarity with something. <laughs> and uh, and and you see uh, Norman's sister, uh, Courtney, who is 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 wrangling everybody and she's joining hands with Norman. And then then uh, Norman's friend, uh, Neil, Not friend, but the bully. Well, no, well, Neil, Neil joins hands with with Norm with with Norman. And then uh, Mitch, Neil's brother, joins hands with Neil. And then all of a sudden we go to, over to the uh, to the bully, uh, Alvin, and <laughs> it's shot from the waist up. But you just see Courtney like wince a little bit. She says, hand Alvin. It's like, oh, they did that, didn't they? Yes, that's that, that. That's not the kind of like joke for grownups that would make that would make it into a Disney film. That is. That is well, uh, no. And and I mean, in, in the spirit and this is this is where I liken something like a Paranorman and even Coraline to maybe 90s Disney, because uh, to the day we're talking is that uh, this this week, the trailer for uh, the full trailer for the documentary on 90s Nickelodeon came out. And one of the things they said was we were the anti-Disney. We weren't trying to basically talk down to the kids. We were trying to give them a place to be kids, you know, and I can't remember what uh, there was a great line from the trailer where basically them, them talking about so many kids were looking for a place to grow up and we gave it to them. Something to that effect. And this film does that. This film does not talk down. It's not it, it understands life is messy. And so there, there are things that it says and does where it wouldn't be in a Disney movie. The opening moments of this movie is Norman watching a, a, a an in-universe zombie, zombie movie and his his parents ask him what he was watching and he just looks at them and says sex and violence and that is and, and the mom just goes oh like, <laughs> like like that's not the answer I wanted yeah but it's it's not the answer that you would expect in, in a movie like this just very honest very open and uh and, and even from that opening scene we have we have the grandmother and at this time we're not a hundred percent they don't communicate a hundred percent that the grandmother's dead they don't do that until the next scene yes and i think that was very smart because the grandma's asking what's going on so like oh this is a cool you know they have a good relationship or whatever and then you find out that no he's been talking to her ghost and i love the exchange grandma's in a better place now no she isn't she's in the living room Like there's there's just some really funny, clever stuff they do throughout this film. I, and I think most of it, you know, is the fact that they they're very smart with their sight gags. They're very smart with their jokes, even the small ones. When uh, Norman's uncle is giving him that, you know, that oath and, it's, you know, swear. And he's like, you mean like you the F word? I mean like the F word, which is, again, <laughs> that's a great one. What was the town true. sign? OK, so the town sign, it says, welcome to Blythe Hollow. And it shows a, a witch on it uh, sitting on a with tree. With the news, but it also says a great place to hang. I did. Like, I did see that. I just. I completely. Like, yeah, it's, lost it's one of those things you you visually register, but until you call back to it, you 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 don't really you don't really get the joke until you see it again. And, and I I die laughing. And and um, I just I think that this there's so much stuff in the background constantly. This is one of those movies where it's fun to rewatch because you're there's something that's always going on. Because I think that's one of the benefits to having animators who are physically doing every single frame. So they they're. they're there, everything is on purpose. There's there's nothing by accident in this film. And, and and there's so much detail in the background of all these scenes. And and that's the thing to that I think is lost is that we are so used to CG animation that it's hard to remember that this is all something on a thing. Like it's a real yeah. thing that it's somebody tactically there on screen. Yeah, and I, I think. And well, it's also watching and knowing that these things are done by hand, seeing even some of the things that involve rooms where like books are falling or there's a scene where a desk is being hit and you see all these pieces on the desk move and fall 
around. I mean, that to me, just the simple things of that. I mean, you could they could have cut corners to do stuff like that, and they did it. It's phenomenal. Now, I don't know how much we want to go into the plot of this of this movie. Um, we're going to spoil some things, but Miles, I have a question for you. Yeah. So the the plot of this movie surrounds a a witch, uh, a witch trial yes. that happened 300 years in the past in this town of Blythe Hollow. And as we get towards the end of the movie and we, we find out that Norman is not the only person in the history of this town that has been able to see ghosts. In fact, his uncle, Mr. Prendergast, Prendergast which is such a hard, a hard word to say. It's a difficult word yes. to say because yes. I want to say Pendergrass, but no, it's Prendergast, Prendergast yeah. <laughs> which is probably which. And now that I'm seeing it written down, it's probably like gas obviously is ghost. Prender is that they comprehend ghosts or something like that. It's it's a whatever. Um, but we we find out that his uncle can also see ghosts and has been responsible for holding off this witch's curse for his life. As we get into the movie, we find out the name of the ghost of the of, excuse me of the witch was Aggie Prendergast. They never outright say in the movie that they're of the same family line, but she could also see ghosts back in the day. Mm-hmm. That is it's, I, it's I interesting to me. Well, I think it invites some sort of mystery so that when you watch or rewatch this movie, it's just details. They're not going to flat out say this is this. But when you look up like even the character title sheet, like, oh, same last name as the uncle. Cool. OK, related. Like the, I, I like the idea that they don't have to spell everything out. I Again, I think they assume some modicum of context and intelligence on the audience. And I really appreciate that. Um, I, I, and, and there are some things in in this film. Just again, I'm going to talk about another line that is prescient today that I do not. Ex- I, I shouldn't have not expected it. But like, I forgot this line existed. When this this line is it's a little too real for 2020 it's, right now. It's exceptionally real because I'm watching this in 2020. But when the cop says, what are you doing firing at civilians? That's for the police to do. I we, we Chris and I had to pause the movie. We we're just like, what? It's a little, a little too wild right now. A little too, a little too wild. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of, you know, thrown back by that. But I'm also even, even in 2012, these problems existed, so it shouldn't surprise me too much. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I will, t- I want to talk about one thing that I, I really appreciated. So a lot of or uh, of this type that's that's geared towards children and young adults. Um, often is about the outsider, and usually about you know how accepting people is is generally a good thing, no matter what their quirks are. I mean, that's a, that's a common theme in a lot of these movies from even eerie Indiana or the prior Coraline to, you know, Paranorman or even the most recent Adams Family uh, animated film. It's a similar themes. What I really appreciated about Paranorman, unlike, say, uh, Lydia from Beetlejuice, Norman does talk to dead people. Norman sees dead people, but he's not like this sullen goth kid. I mean, if you just look at his character model, he's just, oh, I hate using the phrase because this is kind of, but he's just a normal looking kid. You know, he's not, he's not someone that you're like, you would immediately, oh, this kid sees dead people. He doesn't look super sullen. He, he doesn't. He's not dressed all in black. He's not. Uh... And the thing is, a lot of kids who are outsiders, I mean, yes, there are people who are made fun of because they are different. And this movie does highlight that. But there are some kids who are outsiders for no reason. Well, and, and, and and that's where the, I'm sorry, I'll let you finish. But, no, no, no. Uh, I, I was just saying, I like that this film makes Norman both. And, and th- this is where I think that there is some some very interesting, especially terminology used by the father in the early moments. Yes, because the father basically, <laughs> I believe he uses the phrase i mean i'm as liberal as the next guy but i didn't ask for him to do this yes and and it's just it's it's little moments like that 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 are you know i forget the specific thing that he said but it's like you know we didn't want you to to be to to 
be like this. It's like, well, I didn't want to be like this either, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I know. I know the one you're talking about. Um, it's, it's towards the beginning it, of the movie. Like he didn't ask to be like this or something like that. Or uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I know it's, it's, a, it's a bad scene because you're just like, oof. so the, the problem with the father for me is that he's been kind of ruined because the same actor has been playing uh, Murray Goldberg for seven years. So I've been hearing him call his three children morons for seven seasons. <laughs> so it doesn't sound out of character the, to me at all. The father, <laughs> the father is voiced by Jeff Garland, who is in the Goldbergs. Everything. Is, well, he's not just, uh, he's the, he's, I the, know he's another thought. He's stuff, the but. captain on uh, Wally. He is a broken down car in cars two and three. He's, he's Larry David's agent on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's been in a ton. He's been in a ton of stuff. He's, he's everywhere, stuff. but, but he has been on a very successful comedy for sitcom for the last seven years. And so I, 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 it did take a while for me to, I had to sit back and like register like, oh yes, he, this is not the Goldbergs, even though he's playing a dad being hard on his son. <laughs> um, but I also, I, one of the things that I like about Norman is that yes, that he's got problems, but he's also, he's not like Casper the Friendly Ghost or uh, any other one dimensional character who just wants a friend because when Neil first approaches him, he's, he's pretty guarded. He'd rather be left alone, which is. <laughs> so, so would I, let's do it together. <laughs> I, I loved Neil. Neil, Neil is basically become a, a trope, uh, which I, I dislike that it's constantly used where it's like the, the plus size sidekick, even though his weight is actually not a factor in, in, in this movie at all. And in fact, he comments on it. It's, with, it's a factor of him being in his background of him being, I'm made fun of because I'm fat and I'm made fun of because I have IBS and I'm made fun of because I have, I forget all the other things he says. Right. But, I, but he has no shame about himself. So I do find that pretty refreshing, but it, but especially when you've been watching Troll Hunters and a number of other things, it is something that comes up pretty frequently. And so it's definitely a thing that didn't age as well for me, just thinking about the film a little academically. But in the in the context of the film, he's a great character. He's the one beacon of a kind of hope, even when Norman isn't. And I, I really appreciate him because I think he's also the funniest character in this movie. He's he's pretty funny uh, when they are in the in the town hall trying to to find something in this these massive stacks on stacks on stacks of books and he's reading book number one a 27 page book about asbestos because died at that gag because it starts with a and then later in the movie when he's he's reading a second book and it's just a book that starts with b and it's it's just it's great it's a great it's wonderful um my uh, chris's favorite line for the in this movie was uh when he's talking about bullying and he says you can't stop bullying it's a part of human nature if you are bigger and more stupid you'd probably be a bully too it's called survival of the thickest and that line just had her tackling and that line also is a good bookend to define the film's villain because the film's villain is basically what norman could become in a worst case scenario so this, i think that's what's interesting about her this is something i actually dislike about okay her. so let's talk about it so uh spoiler warning from here on out if you couldn't guess that we we're gonna yeah, spoiler, well, I mean, we're, we're gonna uh, have to because i mean there's there's some really good stuff to talk about with this film and we can't do it without spoiling it so it is revealed that that the witch that the curse uh, that who cast the curse on seven people in the town who accused her of witchcraft uh, and she cursed them so that they would rise from the dead. Uh, we mm-hmm. learn later in the film that the the witch herself was, in fact, an 11 year old scared little girl who could just see ghosts like mm-hmm. Norman can. And she was the, 
a bunch of people in the town and a judge turned on her because that was not right. And they we learned, yeah, and, and they were Puritans. And, and, and we also learned that they feel guilty about what happened and that these, these zombies that have been quote attacking them are actually just trying to talk to them, but they can't talk to anybody. They can only talk to Norman because Norman can talk to dead people so he can communicate with the zombies. I like that aspect of things. But what I dislike is that they took this, this innocent young girl and, and, and they, they, they show that what happened to her was wrong, mm-hmm. but her reaction to it as, as this, some sort of, of, of extra normal power erupts out of her as she curses all of these other people that has somehow made her a bully and made her the bad guy in the movie. And it's, it's, it's that terminology that I dislike. I feel like that idea could have been more delicately handled in a way that, because yeah, I, okay, so I don't necessarily I, think that what happened is, is all her fault, if that makes sense. No, no, no. And that, that, I think the film does make that case, but I, I do agree I, with you to I, some degree. I, and um, I, I guess I also, I also want to say like, oh, well, the zombies, well, they feel real bad about what they did. So we're going to be no, nice and, to and them. That is, that is a problem I, I do have is <laughs> it's, and, and it's, it's not just that. It's that we are given this slice of the story. We are given that flashback where you, you see a legitimately terrified 11 year old girl who just says, I was just laying. So the, the scene you're given in your head is that she was she you know saw someone who's probably passed on and was playing with them in the field or something and one of those people saw her and turned her in and that immediately is followed by the zombies finally speaking to Norman saying oh we want you to break the curse because you know of all this stuff and Norman at first is you know he's got plenty of righteous indignation because as well he should but the film also wants you to be like oh but Norman has to stop the curse you know because this could also affect the town and I, I think they could have been a lot more careful I think they should have placed that that kind of origin sequence at an earlier part of the film, especially not especially not right before the imploring of help. But I also think they should have done a better job, maybe not just defining Aggie, but also maybe giving the, the zombies a little bit more of like they say they 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 you know are remorseful and stuff. But the, I mean, but that, it's but just they don't do anything. To, don't, they they yes. don't do anything to prove that they're remorseful. They just right. say it. And they don't even apologize. They don't no, even I say mean, they're sorry. No, and that and that is the thing because they basically say. We know we're wrong now because for whatever whatever their Puritan beliefs were, they they know that that is not the case of things. But that does not justify their actions. It does also does not absolve them. And I do think the film does fail in that aspect as an adult, yes. as a kid watching this movie, or even when I saw it about eight years ago, I was I kind of glossed over it. But I, Drew, now that you pointed it out, I, I do agree. I especially because of again, I'm going to throw this out to, to Leica's animators because of how well they're able to do facial performances when you see the terror in that tear street girl's face it's awful it's it's you, it's i mean your blood boils and i don't think that i don't think it's fair to the character i think i think norman's uh eventual uh what's the word i want to use i mean his norman's instinct to to help her come to terms with what happened and bring her back to yes the, like all of that mm. is good i do it is th- good i don't think that norman calling her a bully serves anybody any good well it's what I think what the, what Leica is trying to do is to say even and again when you have that line uh, from Neil earlier that saying oh well if you had all this power you would likely be a bully too to where she's been pushed to the point that she's also got this power and she is lashing out I think they could have been a little more careful with their language I think they could have been a little more they could have articulated that point better yes because I, I do agree with you that it's clumsy but I do see what they're trying to do. 
Um, but it, it is one of those things where, yes, th- there is an aspect of that that is unsatisfying as an adult and as someone who sometimes will hold a grudge. Uh, those judges getting off so so lightly does uh, feel a little unsatisfying at the end of the movie. I mean, you might have, if, if they had shown that they had been tortured for 300 years somehow, that might be one thing. And, and they may have been. They're definitely tortured by the town. <laughs> and maybe there are deleted scenes that I didn't see that, that you know. But, but again, other than that big sticking point, uh, I'm realizing it bothers me more as I talk about it than it did when I was watching the movie. No, it's, it, it is like something that's bothersome about it. I think that, and again, this is why I think uh, it's Rotten Tomatoes score of 88 is is really solid because I, while I do love this movie, I do enjoy this movie. I think it's a really good Halloween themed movie that's got some some stuff, some got some real meat on it that kids can can take from. It's not perfect by any means. And, but I don't, I don't think it's imperfect because it's necessarily problematic. I think it's clumsy mm. in, in some of its um, content, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that does make sense. Uh, one thing I, I do like at the, at the beginning of this, this movie, and I know we're jumping, uh, we're jumping around a little bit, but we're really, I mean, the plot is pretty point by point. You don't, we don't have to do like to really suss this whole thing out. I think, I think it's better for, for us to really just talk about some of the things that we really enjoyed or things we had a problem with. One thing I do like about this movie is the scene that sets up a lot of the rules of the film uh, is a conversation when Neil is asking Norman all about kind of ghosts. And he, so, so you basically get the rules of ghosts and the movie from this, this one little scene. And I don't, to my knowledge, the film doesn't really break from it. No, and I, mean, I it's, really like that. It's pretty typical ghost stuff. Like, oh, there. It, it, yeah, it's nothing complicated, but I like the movie clearly defines its rules. And especially in a sequence, especially when um, the uncle kind of, you know, has done his business so he can move on, even though that is for Norman is 100% not complete. Doesn't matter. And I, <laughs> I like that. It's, I like that it's kind of literal and messy. I think I think the movie did a really good job. And that I think that's what makes some of the problems that, that you had, Drew, and that now that I have a little more infuriating because so much of this movie is so clever and so articulate and so on point because it is a genuinely funny, funny movie. It's got great lines that I've I've ruined <laughs> for everybody. It's got amazing sight gags. Drew, you, I know you got some sight gags you want to talk so about. Here's, here's actually, I'll talk about something that watching this movie with my kids, I started thinking, why am I watching this movie with my kids? Um, so we've mentioned uh, uh, Norman's uncle, who at this point in the movie has become a ghost, given him a mission and said, go read the book that's in my hands, basically in my dead body. <laughs> And so Norman goes to get the book and he can't get the book out of the hand out of his hands. And this becomes this slapstick comedy wrangling, knocking dudes, knocking his dead uncle's face into things. It is it is downright brutal. And my my kids are just cackling, laughing at this. And I'm like, that's a dead body. It's a dead body. You know, what's so funny is uh, (laughs) Krista and I were having opposite reactions. She's just like, ugh, especially when his tongue like rolls out and mm-hmm. is basically licking them and i am cackling the entire i think it's hilarious so i definitely yeah i, I definitely get that when you have different mindsets about things uh, but <laughs> the, the forethought to use that where it, like his, his mouth kind of lolls open and his tongue rolls out and just because norman is moving in certain ways his tongue starts dragging 
across his face. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I know it's clay and 3D printed faces, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I loved a lot of the the obvious gags. I loved the gag. Most, most of the townspeople, the stuff of the townspeople when the zombies are coming into town is pretty great. Including <laughs> <laughs> the one, one shop owner who had the shotgun at the ready. <laughs> so this is this is one of those things that I think is very funny uh, in that, you know, anytime there are zombies, it's usually the townspeople hold up inside the town hall, boarding up the windows and the zombies on the outside. But this yeah. movie flips the script on that. It's the zombies it's hiding from the so town clever. people on the inside as they so are clever. setting fire to the town and attacking everybody. And very funny. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's there's some there's some really funny bits. And this movie gets a lot of credit for uh, I, I'm glad they did it. I dislike necessarily how it feels a little bit like a punchline. But this film did get a lot of uh, attention for having the first openly gay character in a mainstream animated film. And I thought the character is great because he defies any sort of stereotype. And I think that's the whole point of the character, which is why I don't quite mind the punchline at the end. I mean, the, the whole point of the character is that it's it's not a thing like. Right. Like he's this tip, he's this totally normal football playing tribal tattooed, has a van, is not particularly smart, is more interested in working out, et cetera, yeah, et cetera, even, et cetera. even when they're in the library in the background, he's freaking uh, using books like they're free weights. Yeah. And, and I mean, which is a great sight gag. And then at the very end, Courtney, uh, Norman's sister, hits on him one more time because she's been hitting on him the entire movie. And uh, he just says, like, oh, I figured we could go and watch a watch a romantic comedy or something, something, something. And he just turns to her and says, oh, you'd love my boyfriend. He loves those types of movies. And that's yeah. it. That's it. That, 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 that's all it is, which is a it's a good gag for the character. And I, I guess I'm going to walk back because, yeah, when I when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's funny. But I was like, I don't like that. It's a punchline. But because the whole point of the character is to defy the stereotypical film depiction, I can give it a pass. Yeah, um, th- th- that's I I like that. It's not a big deal in, in, in the sense that, oh, it's it's, I guess, surprising, but it's also treated as just not a big deal for this character. He's not hiding it. He's not doing any kind of, of thing. That's just who he is. And it doesn't need to be a big deal. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. And and Chris Butler actually said the same thing because uh, he was he said the, the character was explicitly connected to the film's message. He said, um, if we're saying to anyone that watches this movie, don't judge other people and we've got to have the strength to our convictions. And so I, I get that it is trying to make a point. I think I think when I was, you know, eight years ago, when I just maybe was just a little more knee jerk reaction to it was I didn't like the punchline. But now upon thinking about it, I think it's honestly a really good thing. And this was nominated for a GLAAD award. It was the first ever PG movie. Movie nominated by Glad in its annual media awards. Uh, so I, I, I mean that that that's a pretty big deal. So I I, I don't think I, I I felt a little guilty because knowing that as a uh, you know cisgendered straight white guy that my commenting on it is not necessarily <laughs> not that it's not valid. It's just it doesn't matter what I think. It's good, in, in, in going to impact zero people that it needs to exactly. Impact. But but at least knowing that that uh, the way that it has been received, I, I my knee jerk reaction was wrong and. I, I like that upon reviewing the movie, I was like, okay, I, I give, I, I see what they were doing and I, I can see that from, from the people that have, from the groups that have accepted this movie, I'm not alone in in thinking that. It's not, it's not uh, Joe Russo's cameo in uh, Avengers Endgame talking about a boyfriend or a date he was going on as being the first gay character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is oh, a little it's, it's different. It's not even close to uh, the first LGBTQ uh, uh, superhero on a mainstream film in Trini in the 2017 Power Rangers film who is um, vaguely references maybe. Maybe. 
maybe maybe yeah like in, in a campfire scene that you you would never know um which i, I really like that scene and i i like well i'm not talking about that that, that movie the, right now this but, is but, this is a whole tangent that we could go off on that right not. but but it's it's not something that that is is the is the character and so th- this film does a great job of doing that where it's like you know what no we're gonna we're gonna flip the script on you and and that is why we're doing it i i do like this because the whole point of this movie is not to judge people which again as a social commentary using zombies for kids growing up is a wonderful message to have <laughs> i i because i do like this movie and i think if uh if kids are watching this movie and and drew i don't know if your kids got the message or not if if they felt or if they just had fun with it you know because a lot of times when we're kids we think that we're not really receiving messages but by the time we're like 12 13 we're like oh yeah i, and I remember and, this and, movie and that's the thing watching my kids have seen this movie a grand total of one time so far them what message they get from this movie is right now seems to be those zombies are hilarious remember when right the, remember when the detached hand was in the van with them and kept grabbing people and picking somebody's nose and poking people in the eye and yeah you know all oh, of that <laughs> for whatever reason when, whenever whenever there's an eye poke scene that that sends my girlfriend in a laughing frenzy she thinks that's the funniest sight comedy you can ever do it she is it is dying. actual sight comedy so uh. <laughs> yes uh but when when the, when when it uh the thing does the, the double finger poke in the eyes to alvin she just lost it <laughs> um but yeah i mean even as kids like when i watched a movie even one that had a message i might have received it but i'm mostly but, paying attention to the spectacle and you may not recognize that you have received any kind of message or 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 had anything that has informed your development until years and years later and that's okay you know oh yeah i mean this is part it's, of what it's better that way honestly this is, this is part of what we we are what like we talked about pete and pete on the show last year and talking about pete and pete i remember a lot of the broader strokes but i do not remember all of the sort of oh, yeah. subtext and conversations about growing up and what that means and in, in the context of these shows and that's and that's what's important about about media for for our young people yeah because the, the thing is I, I think it's important that these films focus more on spectacle than heavy handedness and that i think that's what i like about this movie is that because of its clever script despite the flaws we have in some of the clumsy ways it delivers parts of its message the film and this is why i selected it does not feel like a here's your kids movie yeah you know it it, it feels like a movie that is suitable for children because it's pg but it's not it's not something that you feel has been sanitized or watered down to appease an audience this is a movie that kids would talk about if they saw it when they were younger the same way we talked about you know seeing the witches when Which we were kids never seen so okay well thank you for destroying my point uh, the, 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 <laughs> i remember angela Jellica houston in the witches and i remember being like oh my god like she was so terrifying and there are aspects of this movie because this movie takes its concept seriously that could be scary for kids under 10 but because it bounces its comedy so well i think it, it does it in a way that i don't think it's very i mean you could you could probably tell me drew if either your kids thought anything from this film was legitimately scary no but my kids are largely fearless well that's more, that's fine more <laughs> more fearless than i ever was at their age i don't understand it i don't get so I, it i guess they get it from your wife <laughs> no no i just i don't they're like my 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 i i, I credit uh nightmare before christmas to talk about another yeah <laughs> another stop motion animated uh film with creepy stuff my my son being born on christmas eve he associates very heavily with that film and of course it's very you know has some quite frankly horrifying imagery in it uh but he's watched that movie a hundred times and my daughter is an october child so we'll see 
how that works. So, and and uh, speaking of Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, the director Henry Selick was with Leica from inception. Yeah, he's he, the one that kind of helped get, get got it going and did Coraline. Mm-hmm. There's so, there's a lot of of uh, of of that DNA in there. I don't. They didn't work on Frank and Winnie. I don't think. Though. I don't think they did either. And and that's the thing. I mean, it's easy to kind of give the Nightmare Before Christmas a lot of guff because of the massive cultural thing it became uh, even after release. But the influence of that movie, the positive influence on that movie, I, I don't think you can argue against. And especially for stop motion animation and and horror for kids. I mean, I, I knew people that thought that movie was legitimately scary when they were kids. And then as teenagers, we were watching it every Halloween. But it's another one of those things. Like It's, it's okay for some of these movies to be a little scary. There's a thrill in that. It's not so scary that it's going to, you know, ruin your night. But it's fun. This one doesn't, this movie does not quite go there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that we're going to watch something that will quite go there. Because uh, I do like the, I do like the idea that Drew is watching this stuff with his kids. So I'm probably not going to put some full on uh, gateway bridge crossing <laughs> stuff. Because, no, I, I, I have thought about doing the, um for the last week, doing the uh, recent scary movies, the scary stories to tell in the dark film. But that would be, I think, uh, too much. The, um, at the, at the end of the day, I'm glad that my kids are not scared by fake stuff because they have plenty of real stuff in the world to sure. be scared about. <laughs> um, so, but it's something that I will take into consideration. Yeah. Uh, so so I think that's I think that's going to wrap it up for a conversation about Paranorman. Uh, yeah, so um, la- la- last thoughts, Drew. What, what are your last thoughts? Uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to give this one another watch. I really enjoyed a lot of it, but as I think more and more on the ending of the film, I'm a little, I'm a little sad, especially because the rest of the message of the movie is delivered so well that there's that one aspect of it that just misses the mark but it's maybe the most important mark to us i i do agree and i think that's why it has kind of an 88 percent um because it, it, yeah it doesn't quite hit the mark but so much of it is so good and so on point and so clever and if you're a fan of horror films or if you're and you want to show your kids something that you'll get a kick out of and it will delight them as well i do think this is a, this is a definitely a good film to add to your halloween viewing uh but next week boy oh boy uh we're gonna jump back to the 90s and we're gonna go into I, I said we weren't going to at the first week but i lied we're going to read a book from the very classic best-selling series goosebumps and i fielded a couple of my friends who were kind of more goosebumps aficionados about which one i should do and we settled on the ghosts next door the 10th book in the original goosebumps series so drew and i are going to read the ghosts next door by rl stein as well as watching the accompanying episode of the goosebumps tv show for flavor um if we because have i time. don't think <laughs> i don't well i don't think we're gonna have a ton to say these books fly by in about 45 minutes but i am excited to go back and read one because i haven't read a goosebumps book in about 20 years yeah i gotta remember which goosebumps books i read back in the day because i know i read a few of them yeah and i mean we'll go through it and again um like we did this week uh, we, we're gonna we'll, we will touch lightly on the history of goosebumps we're not gonna go the entire thing but... i i solemnly promise to only mention the uh goosebumps girl meme image three times in next week's episode oh boy only three times no more oh no boy. less <laughs> with, um, but i'm i'm excited um and drew how can people reach us if you would like to get in touch with us you can find us at the and with our entire show archive you can tweet to us at the more you nerd you can find us at facebook.com slash the more you nerd and of course if you really want to talk to us you can reach us at our email address the more you nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com for now so until next time <laughs> we're gonna end this show as we always do with a rousing <laughs> nerd, nerd out. out right <laughs>